Wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes, 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 yes. For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Wrestle Rant Radio on the second day of December with Mr. Marceau, December 2nd, 2021, bringing you today the reviews of Raw Dynamite and maybe some predictions for NXT War Games on Sunday as well. Mr. Marceau, we're back after a one-week hiatus following Thanksgiving. How you doing, brother, and how was your holiday? Doing well. It was a good time. I mean, nice, uh, ate a lot, so that was good, and uh, just a nice couple days off from work, so I can't complain. Nice. Feel full, satisfied, and relaxed, it sounds like. Oh, I was fat and happy by the end of the night. <laughs> That's what you like to hear, fat and happy. Um, but like I said, we're going to be talking about Raw, Dynamite, and War Games here today. It's been a while since we've broken down Dynamite. Uh, we had full gear. We talked about that two weeks ago. Um, last week, I hadn't even watched it yet. Same thing with the week before that when we spoke. Um, so we're going to go in-depth with this week's Dynamite and Raw. But honestly, for two shows, then I'm going to get your thoughts. We spoke a little bit about it before we went live here. Um, you know, with two shows that I I had seen online that people just didn't like or enjoy, and that goes for both shows. I actually really liked Raw this week, and I actually really liked Dynamite. I don't know if it's the holiday spirit in me at all, but we'll get into it, as well as predictions for War Games on Sunday. Uh, but Mr. Marceau, I gotta ask right off the bat, we're on the second day of December, like I said. Favorite Christmas movie, what are we watching this December, aside from Halloween, not Halloween, uh, Home Alone 1 and 2 over and over. Oh my god, kid took my answer. <laughs> I mean, Home Alone 2 is my favorite, so that one will be watched a lot. Um, big, I uh, never actually saw it so early this year, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. That's one of the big, greatest movies of all time. I hadn't seen it, for, haven't had never seen it. Wow. And I uh, watched it for the first time like a couple months ago. And I, I'll definitely be watching that one. That one's good. Elf, Elf's a classic. Classic. Um, I mean, I also like the animated stuff, so... Like Santa Claus coming to town, yeah. you know that was Santa Claus. Give me that. Besides um, so that, I mean, I'm trying to think of the Grinch. Grinch is a, I mean, that's a classic. Love Jim Carrey's Grinch. Oh, you got to throw that one in there. So, I mean, there's a good, there's a good uh, palette right there. I gave you. Yeah, that's my number one and two. Number one is Grinch. I watch that on Christmas every year. Christmas Vacation is around that same time as well. I'm actually surprised you haven't seen that before because we speak, we speak a lot about like the early 2000 Adam Sandler movies and Dodgeball and stuff like that. That's like a prime Mr. Marceau movie right there is Christmas Vacation. Yeah, it's similar like comedy as like an Adam Sandler movie, kind of like stupid funny. So it's a... Uh... It's good though. I mean, I watched it earlier this year and I thought it was hilarious. Yeah, I thought it was. I just, it's a fantastic movie. Uh, what about Jingle All the Way? <laughs> I don't even know if I've seen that. What's it about? With Arnold Schwarzenegger, it's like the action figure where he has to go out finding the action figure for his kid. Big Show makes a yeah, cameo. Yeah, I think Santa I've Claus. seen it like once. And, okay, uh, that 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 uh, sounds like it would be a Mr. Marceau movie to me if you like Home Alone. What, is it like on a Disney Plus or you know a platform that's on? Mm-hmm. Uh, it might be free. You have Xfinity or no? 
I do not. Okay. I'd have to look online. It might be available somewhere. I don't know. It might be free on like your cable provider. I know it's like, it's always on, I, I still call it ABC family, but I know it's always on Freeform and stuff like Ooh, that. It says it's on, it says it's on uh, Disney plus. So. Oh, maybe it is. And maybe it's a, uh, I know it's not, I don't think it's a Disney movie, but it, it might've been a Fox movie, a 20th century Fox movie. And they purchased all that stuff. So it might be on there. I'm trying to yeah, think. Yeah, it's a Fox. It is a 20th century Fox. So ah, on there. Perfect. I'm trying to think what else would be on there that you might like. You weren't a big Disney Channel fan growing up, were you? Uh, no, I was a more Nickelodeon guy. Okay, I was gonna say because there's the Ultimate Christmas Present too. That's more of a a kids movie, but it's a it's a a, a children's classic if you grew up on it. Um, I'm trying to think. I'm not a big. I'm 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 glad you didn't say this one. I always thought it was overrated. What's it called? What the shoot your eye out one? Not Christmas Vacation. Not Christmas Carol. Um, it's the one with the leg lamp. You know what I'm talking about or no? I know which one you're talking. I know the movie you're talking about because you complain about. It. Don't they show it like for 24 hours? <laughs> they do on Christmas Eve. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I don't know exactly what movie it is, but I know what you're. I know which movie you're thinking of because I know you complain about it every year. You know what movie I don't care for, and this might be a scathing one. Molly loves this movie, and I literally every time I watch it, I just don't care anymore. Yeah. Polar Express. Not a huge Polar Express guy. Why not? Just don't like I, it. I just don't find it like entertaining. Maybe yeah, that's what it is. Maybe. It's just not, eh. Are you like me in that you want to be like entertained or find it funny? Because it's not like, not that, I don't, I wouldn't say that it's not entertaining, at least in my opinion. It's definitely not like a funny movie, obviously. Like it's not your typical Christmas movie where it follows the same formula of a lot of the same movies you mentioned. I do like it though. Yeah, maybe, I don't know. I just feel like I've seen it so many times. It's like one of those movies, like, I, like I've seen it, don't need to watch it again. Okay, yeah, it, it's. I think that one's on Disney Plus too, because I or no wait, that's not a Disney movie. I don't think. I think I always I think thought it, it is was. Plus, though, I'm pretty sure it oh, is. Maybe it is. Okay. Um, uh, Molly wants to watch it. I'm like, yeah, you can watch it on your own time. <laughs> yeah, Alexis loves that movie too. I actually really like it. I'm willing to watch it, but uh, now that doesn't strike me as a Mr. Marceau movie. But I'm sure if I'll come up with more movies, I'll I'll, I'll send you some suggestions. If uh, I, I I have a whole list of stuff that I watch every year, but you kind of nailed all the most popular ones. Um, let's get into Raw for Monday, live from Long Island, the new UBS Arena. Uh, Dynamite's actually going to be there next Wednesday, and I'm sure you saw all the, all the reports with the attendance for Raw just being in the complete shitter for that show. Um, but Dynamite's largely outselling them in that arena, which is interesting, in the exact same market. Um, but honestly, though, for a show that had very low attendance and a very quiet crowd, I honestly thought that this was a very good show and one of the better, one of the stronger shows that Raw has done in a while. So before we get into each segment and whatnot, I'm curious what your overall thoughts were from Raw this week. If you liked the show, if you didn't like it, if you were bored by it, uh, just your overall impression from the episode. No, I thought Raw was actually pretty good this week. Like you said, I feel like they had more, I don't know, I feel like Raw lately's kind of just felt like just randomness. I feel like this week kind of had more concrete things to kind of sink your teeth into. Um, and I thought, I, th- I thought that at least, the, I mean, I can't name everything that happened from time to time to time, but I thought the first hour, let alone, was really what really done well so um i thought it was a good show i mean i watched it in full um usually i don't do that so i thought it was a, i thought it was a good show so yeah usually if it's i don't know i feel like if the first hour or the second hour or the main event is terrible even if you're not able to list off every little single thing that happened on the show i think you would remember of the first hour hour and a half dragged or was you were looking at your watch or even if you don't watch it live and you watch it after the fact you would remember if you skipped over a lot of shit 
Um, and again, I call a spade a spade. There's a lot of Raw shows I think are absolutely atrocious, and it has been for the better part of this year. Uh, fans or no fans. But I honestly thought this was one of the better shows, whether people you know, thought the same thing or not. But we opened the show with Seth Rollins versus Finn Balor, finding out that the WWE Championship match is going to be happening at the day one pay-per-view, which Kevin Owens was later added into, which we'll get to momentarily. Um, But we got Rollins and Balor opening up the show, kind of a renewal of an old rivalry. These two work really well together. Uh, A great win for Rollins, a very good opening match. Balor showed some uh, piss and vinegar in there, going right after Rollins from the get-go, which was great. Uh, I I really like the match. Obviously, Rollins winning was... uh, you know, expected because he is getting the WWE title opportunity at the pay-per-view. I think a bigger takeaway from this for me is that Balor has really largely felt lost since coming back to the main roster from losing to Roman Reigns twice for the Universal Championship, failing in the finals of the King of the Ring, which I was fine with because I like Woods being in that role more than, than Balor, and now losing to Rollins and just kind of being a stepping stone, which was the exact same spot that he was in before he left for NXT two years ago. So I want your thoughts on the match, but even more so what you think you know, the future holds for Finn Balor on the main roster. I thought this was a good start of the show. I mean, Rollins is, I mean, people, he's for, I was a big naysayer on his character, but it's starting to grow on me a little bit. So I thought he was the right person to start off the show. Um, great match. I mean, him and Finn definitely have good chemistry and it was a good match. Like you said, Rollins winning was never kind of in doubt just because he is the number one contender. But it does kind of shed a bad light on Balor because, like you said, he has been a kind of afterthought since being called up. There were rumors around the draft time that like he was like picked by USA Network to kind of be a breakout guy, or at least it was a rumor that they were really pushing him to be on, on Raw. And I feel like, yeah, he's had a couple decent matches and a couple of little programs, but nothing I would say that's amazing. I mean, he hasn't really done any big winning at all. So we'll see what happens. I mean, maybe they'll focus him more towards Priest in the next couple of weeks, but... Um, Balor definitely needs to get his footing because it, he's starting to become a basically a glorified loser at this point. Do you think you would benefit from going the same route that he did in NXT by experimenting with that heel run that he did in NXT early on? Because I think a heel Balor, I don't know. I mean, I would have to look at like the face heel roster on Raw and whether they have too many heels or too many faces or if it's even. But I feel like if he goes back to that character, hey, I mean, him and Priest specifically, you mentioned that, I wasn't really thinking about that. But they had that awesome match at TakeOver last year that was really a stepping stone for Priest, even though he lost. And Balor can say, listen, dude, I've beaten you before. I've never held the United States Championship. And if he was to go heel, I feel like that would be a great route for him to go. So kind of combining both of those ideas. Yeah, I think that I think that's what makes sense for him. I mean, get him something, something noteworthy. And like I said, maybe you can actually turn him heel if he continues to lose and loses the priest. I feel like Raw, eh, I mean, I mean Owens is heel, Seth Rollins is heel. Um, I mean, they don't really have too many heels, so I, I wouldn't hate if Balor went heel and they kind of gave him that kind of next push going towards Big E. Yeah, well, I mean, I know Miz just came back. They have Bobby Lashley, too, so maybe I would have to look at the face roster. I, Balor as a face is fine. It's just that, I don't know, I feel like he can be a great babyface, but they've never really booked him great in that role in the main roster. I feel like he's always a setup guy for other people as a face, whereas in NXT as a heel, the guy was the star of the show. So just an idea, and maybe at some point we get to see that. Uh, We had yet another contract signing on Raw following that, but I honestly thought this one was pretty good between Becky Lynch and Liv Morgan. Uh, Liv has improved a lot on the mic, I think, over the last couple of months since breaking out on her own. Becky Lynch is always great. Um, This set up the 10-woman tag team match later on in the show, but I thought the mic work itself in the segment was very good. Um, Obviously, the line about from Liv 
about, oh, all your friends get fired and all this other stuff. That was, you know, your, your contract is the reason why my friends aren't here anymore is what she said to Becky. A lot of people upset about it, which I completely understand because obviously it wasn't a line that she came up with. I'm sure that was a line that Creative gave to her. And they were the ones responsible for letting her go in the first place or, you know, her friends or whatever, the company that is. Um, so kind of a, a stupid line. I mean, it was a good line and storyline, but it's like, realistically speaking, it doesn't exactly, uh, it just wasn't a, wasn't smart. I mean, it was kind of just dumb. I wasn't thinking that in the moment, but seeing all the backlash, I can kind of understand why people were upset with it. So I want to get your take on it though. Your thoughts on the contract signing itself, setting up next week's Raw Women's Championship match. And that one specific line from Morgan about um, her friends getting fired because of Becky's contract and storyline. I mean, I didn't have a problem with it. I mean, I understand why people like, get upset, but like that's a, like she's basically saying that Becky came back. She's now big time back. She's the star of the show. She's clearly going to be making a lot of money, so they allocate that money to her. I mean, I people get so offended by everything. I mean, I didn't have a problem with it. I it kind of like I just laughed. I thought it was a clever line. I, I mean, I, I guess I didn't get caught up into it too much, but. I thought it was good. I thought it was a better promo. It felt real. I mean, that's another thing. People, oh, we want to be more realistic. Okay, they give you a realistic line right there. They fired her friends. They give the star more money. But did they actually do that? Yeah, maybe or maybe not. But it's still a clever line to like make people want to boo Becky. I mean, she is a heel. You're supposed to not like her. Too bad they still love her. So that's another problem. So maybe they threw that in to try to get her more heat and get more cheers for, for, for Liv. But... I thought it was a good promo for her. I think Becky is doing great work. I think before she left, this is probably what she wanted the big-time Bex character to be like, not like the goofy fucking crown and the robe and shit. I mm-hmm. think maybe that was the experiment, and now she's kind of starting to get her footing on it, kind of being like more of a like, like a big-time athlete or a star. Like, she's got the glasses, the fucking coat. It's kind of like Conor McGregory. Yep. So I think she's kind of starting to developed the character from what, where it was before she left, and I think she's done great with that. And I thought Liv came off great. She's being a babyface. She's making you want to hate the heel. So, I mean, was it a line that people might not like? Yeah, but, I mean, it makes sense for where they're going in storyline. I really didn't have a problem with it. Yeah, I didn't have a problem with it. I can understand why people were upset with it, but I don't know. It's one of those weird things where I get it, but at the same time, like they want to incorporate realism. So I appreciate that. And I mean, at the end of the day, the company is obviously responsible for releasing releasing these people. It wasn't Becky or even, I don't know. Maybe I feel like people are smart enough to know that it wasn't. I know. I, I know what you're talking about, like with the money being allocated to Becky's contract when she came back, blah, 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 blah. I could see it going both ways. Maybe they should steer clear of that just to not get heat on it. I think the company tweeting out that line specifically from the promo was hilarious because then they backtracked and then took it out of the promo on YouTube and probably deleted the tweet that they put out right after the segment. But if you're going to do it, you got to fucking own it. You can't go back and... You know what I mean? If you're going to anticipate backlash, then you probably shouldn't do it. Either own it and keep it up or don't do it. Um, But nonetheless, I thought this was a good segment. But like I said, they're facing off next week for the Raw Women's Championship... I don't think Morgan wins. I do think it should set up a rematch for the day one pay-per-view. I think they've done a good job, though, of positioning Morgan um, as a viable threat to the title. I don't think she's winning, like I said, but her, her team did win <clears throat> over Team Bex later on in the show. So with that being said, with the championship match happening next week, um, you mentioned Becky firing at all cylinders right now as a character. I completely agree. Probably the wrong time or still too early to take the belt off of her, right? Yeah, I think I think Liv has done great. I think they have positioned her 
perfectly where she needs to be. I feel like she's a credible baby face. People are behind her. Um, but I, I do think it is a little too early to take the belt off Becky. So I would have just waited to do this match at day one. But, I mean, I guess you could have Becky cheat, cheat winner on, on Monday night and then you do a rematch on at day one as well. So I don't hate it. Um, keeps them busy. I think it's one of the better things on Raw. So I can't complain. I agree. Um, if they do keep the belt on Becky, or even if, I mean, I guess they could have Liv win, a shock win next week, then Becky gets the belt back. I, I wouldn't do that. I would just keep the belt on her consistently. They're telling the story that she's been champion consistently as an active competitor, which is technically true since WrestleMania 35. Not a day has gone by that she hasn't been champion where she's been active in the company. So at that point, I would just keep the belt on her till WrestleMania itself. Who do you think is going to be the one to ultimately dethrone her? Is it a Morgan going back and Maybe winning the Rumble and getting another title shot at Mania. Is it Bianca? Because I think that would make the most sense. But there's also Rhea Ripley, who's now no longer one half of the tag team champion. So it feels like there's a few different options on Raw right now. I mean, any of the three you mentioned, I mean, I like Bianca, but I don't I don't know if I really want her beat. I feel like she already had her big win. Yeah, she, yeah Rhea did beat. Yeah, who did Rhea beat for the championship? She beat Charlotte, right? Uh, she beat Asuka at WrestleMania. Oscar, yeah, I mean, I mean, honestly, I would just have, I, I think, not, because uh, I kind of, I feel like Liv is starting to do great work, so I don't want, I feel like if she keeps losing, she'll eventually just be fizzled out. I mean, I would hate if she, like you said, she, like, got, she lost, but, like, didn't lose clean, she went, won the Rumble, goes on and beats Becky Ross, I mean, I honestly wouldn't have any problem with that, um, but I would also like really get another, another run, but... Fuck, I don't know. I feel like it's like compared to the men, I feel like they have they don't have, they have like a lack of star power for the men. I feel like the women, you could literally slate anyone in, and I really wouldn't have a problem with it. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, what about Tegan Knock? Oh, never mind. I think they'd probably do either Rhea or Bianca, but I I would like to see the way they pitch Liv winning the Rumble <clears> to beat <throat> Becky. I think that would be pretty. That'd be pretty big for her. What about Tegan Knox? Oh, wait, never mind. God, move on, buddy. Holy <laughs> shit. I feel I like... I saw the kid crying on Twitter. I'm like, give it up. I feel like this is a perfect time, though, where they could use a fresh face to at least lose to Becky, and they could have had her, but we still have Tamina on the roster. Or Dana Brooke. <laughs> yeah, but Dana Brooke's not... <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But they, once they called her up and called her Knox, I think we already knew she was screwed. So yeah, at that point, so. I kind of just was like, whatever. <laughs> true, true, true. Uh, we move on from that to the Raw Tag Team titles being defended. RK Bro beating the Dirty Dogs. They were never going to beat RK Bro. But I honestly thought this was a good match. Orton and <clears throat> Dolph specifically have always worked well together. So I thought it was a good match. Right result. And jeez, uh, <clears throat> I'm dying over here. RK Bro continues... Good. <laughs> RK Bro continues to be one of the best parts of Raw um, right now. So, any thoughts on this? I thought it was a good match. No, yeah, I thought it was good. It was what it needed to be. I'm not a huge Dirty Dogs guy, but uh, I thought it, it it fit where it needed to be, and it was a good match. And I can't complain. Like you said, I think that RK Bro's up there with like Becky Rollins. Like they're definitely one of the top things on Raw. So breaking them up prematurely would not would not be good. So I would keep the ball rolling now. I mean, we always say that people in the tag team, it seems like they're a waste, but even though Randy is getting older, I feel like this is some of the better stuff that he's been doing in his career. So definitely don't shy away from keep doing this. I agree. And I'm honestly surprised they've kept it going for as long as they have. Cause typically in WWE, they split stuff up before that you can even win the titles or just as it's starting to work. You know the split is coming at some point. So what would you do? Would you have them break up around WrestleMania time and do the match at WrestleMania? I mean, 
there's not many teams left for them to defend against, I guess, unless they do the profits at some point, which is definitely possible. They were teasing that for a little bit a couple of weeks ago, but then they moved away from it. <clears throat> and now the profits are feuding with um, AJ and Omos for right now. So I've seen people say, oh, maybe they could do it for the WWE title at WrestleMania because I love Big E, but I don't know what any if there's any single match like that Big E can have at WrestleMania that makes sense. I feel like he might be an interim champion. So uh, kind of both things. What do you think the end game is here for RK Bro? And kind of going on from that, do you think we could see Orton turn on Riddle, maybe win the WWE title, and then Riddle beats him for to WrestleMania? I feel like that might be a stretch, but I just don't know what you do with Big E at WrestleMania this year. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think the end game has to be them facing off. Or, I mean, they're so over right now that not doing them at WrestleMania would seem like an injustice. I mean, they're one of the top things on on the program, so... Once they break up, it'd definitely be hot. That has to be a WrestleMania match. So I don't know if you do it for the title, like you said, because I really don't know what you do with Big E. But, I mean, they'd be pretty dumb to not do that at WrestleMania. Maybe have them lose the belts at Royal Rumble around that time. They start teasing tension. You lead right into WrestleMania. Yeah, I mean, they, they got plenty of time to start building to that. It's, you know, January or December right now. They can always do the split at the Rumble or right after the Rumble and do the match at WrestleMania. Um, I mean, they can always keep them as a team through WrestleMania. I just don't know if there's enough teams to justify doing that. Um, you know, there's the Profits, there's the Dirty Dogs. They've already beaten them a few times now. Uh, they've already beaten Agent almost several times. Not many teams left for them to face. The Mysterios, maybe, but they're kind of doing their own thing right now. So, I guess we'll see. Uh, we move on from there to the return of Edge, whose return was only advertised on SmackDown last week, comes back three days later on Raw. We don't really know what he's doing until being interrupted by The Miz. So Edge had mentioned the possibility of him and AJ Styles, him and Finn Balor, him and Big E, all fresh matches. But we get The Miz instead. And we've seen Edge and Miz before, not since Edge came back to the company, but many, many, many years ago. So Miz comes out with Maurice, and this was the first time I've seen The Miz serious probably since the Shane feud several years ago, which actually started out well enough with him as a babyface. But when he went heel again with Morris, and they just became complete fucking goofballs. And I love the dirt sheet, but they were never taken as a serious threat. Their reign was very forgettable. Um, but I love Miz being back with Maurice. I think Miz's prime years in the company for as long as he's been here have been with Maurice back in like 2016, 2017 when he was Intercontinental Champion. Uh, I'm, I love that Maurice is back. I hope it's more than a one-off. And I think a serious side of The Miz is great. I don't know if I'd go so far as to say they did this segment in light of the MJF Punk segment from Dynamite last week, which I thought was fantastic. I think they were kind of doing their own thing. But this was the best promo I've heard Miz cut in a while. I think Edge cut a great promo per usual. And honestly, it got me invested in the idea of a match between these two at some point, whether it be a day one or before then. So I'm curious what your thoughts were on the return of Miz here confronting Edge and uh, what you made of the segment. No, I thought this was good as well. Like you said, I think this was what it needed to be. I mean, I think Miz is better with Maurice as well, and Edge cut a great promo. Miz cut a good promo. I mean, we've seen the match before, but I mean, I didn't have a problem with it. I'm not even the biggest Miz or Edge guy, so I, I thought this was good stuff here, and I thought, like I said, I feel like the momentum of the show like, kept gradually getting, kept going. Like, they never really teetered off to this point. Yeah, no, I thought they did a great job of keeping the pace going during the segment. Both guys had their highlights. You know, Miz mentioning that Edge hasn't been champion since Miz was main eventing WrestleMania with Cena 10 years ago, um, kind of referencing certain things. I mean, this was another case where Edge brought up Morrison getting fired, but I, 
This one I don't really see being in, in, in poor taste. I saw the Morgan one. I kind of got that. This one was kind of accurate, though, when he mentioned that he left Morrison to hang high and dry to go do Dancing with the Stars, which is true. They probably would have fired Morrison anyway, but um, that, it's not like it's Miz's fault, but I thought it was interesting. Um, what do you make of these comparisons? I haven't really seen an overwhelming comparison from people like, oh, they did this because of Punk and MJF. I thought this was its own thing, though. Uh, we didn't talk about that last week because we recorded before Dynamite, but I'm curious what your thoughts on that were and how that compared to this. I mean, I thought they were both they were good in their own ways. I mean, I feel mm-hmm. like people are like, oh, they're doing it just to do that. Like, I don't think that's true. I think I think they were both good for their own ways, and they both worked. So, I mean, why why is everyone have to get like, all mad about everything? So, yeah. I thought they both were good. I think they both served their purposes. And, I mean, I feel like this one was more kind of straight at it. I mean, last week, it wasn't like they were strictly saying WWE, but they were referring to more WWE stuff than... They just Edge just threw in that line that they used his name for cheap heat. I mean, besides that, it was wasn't like he went too inside in there. But I, I thought both of them were good and they served their purpose. And why does everyone have to get mad about everything? No, yeah, I agree. I completely agree. And I think this is a great comeback feud for Edge too. If they're going to have him, you know, wrestle at day one, maybe be in the Rumble again. He won last year, so he's the defending champion, so to speak. So. I like this a lot. We'll see where they go with it going into WrestleMania. Maybe that's at the, at the Rumble. They can kick off like an Edge and AJ Styles feud or something along those lines. Yeah, I mean, I don't hate that. I, I kind of wish Edge and AJ were, or at least Edge, because now that he's back, would, would feud with more younger guys. Well, there really isn't too many that even put him in a program or so. Him and AJ, I actually don't really mind. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, obviously, AJ's got to go back to being important on the show, and we got to, you know, get some more time for that, I guess, because they're just not ready for that at the moment. But nonetheless, though, also on the show, the Prophets beat Alpha Academy. Fine match. Uh, Damian Priest beating Apollo Crews to retain the United States Championship. And the Mysterios knocking off the Hurt Business. Uh, we won't go in-depth in any one of those three matches, but any general, thro- uh, any, any general thoughts in any of those three matches? I thought they all were just like I said. I feel like the pace was always there. I didn't have a problem with any of them. And just kind of added on to the show. Yeah, just furthering the feuds involved for the most part. Uh, crowd was kind of quiet there in the middle. I mean, it's hard to, hard to blame them, but... Was what it was. Uh, we already talked about the 10-woman tag team match. Getting to the main event, Kevin Owens versus Big E, with the stipulation being that if Owens won, he would get added to the WWE title match at day one, which is exactly what happened. They teased, oh, a DQ, a DQ, and they ended up doing the fucking disqualification. So I thought that was beyond lazy. The match itself was good for what it was. Um, I mean, at least Big E didn't get pinned, but I still wouldn't have done what they did because Rollins was like, oh, I can't interfere. Like, oh, go Big E because I don't want Owens in the match at, Wrestle- or at, uh, at day one. And then he interferes anyway. And then he realizes what he did after he does it. And he's like, oh, fuck, what did I do? Like, I just thought it was so stupid. Like, the guy came across like a fucking moron for doing that. So I, I liked the match, but I thought it went off on a dumb note because Rollins looked like a moron for interfering after he already said that he wouldn't do that. Yeah, I, don't, I didn't really understand that. I also really don't understand why Owens winning would get him in. Like, he screwed over Raw at Survivor Series. Like, there was just no penalty for that. They're just like, oh, if you win this match, we'll give you a title shot. Like, Great point, actually. Seemed kind of dumb, but, I mean, it was what it was. Rollins looked like an idiot, but, I mean, his character, he kind of is like an idiot anyway. So, yeah. we'll let it slide, but I, it really didn't make sense. Like you said, he was like, oh, I'm not going to interfere. I'm not going to interfere. And then jumped right in to interfere and he screwed himself. So. <laughs> what an idiot. Who knows? Who knows? Who it was kind of weird. I don't yeah, mind. That, like that's the thing. Like that's something that people are like. Oh, Ross sucked because the main event was kind of like weird at the end. That's something that sucks, honestly. Yeah, I mean, again, I wouldn't generalize just because the main event wasn't what it could have been. 
I thought the overall show was great, but I do like the ultimate destination of a three-way at day one because Owens has been involved since turning heel a few weeks ago. Um, I have no issue with that. It's just their way of getting there that was questionable. So uh, I assume Big E retains at day one, right? Probably, he, Honestly, they're probably putting Kevin Owens in there to eat the pin from Big E would be my question. And then they'll probably, is, is my guess, and they'll probably do Big E and Rollins one-on-one -on -one at the Rumble. Yeah, probably. Like I said, I didn't have a problem with it. I just, I just feel like I get that he's kind of been involved. He's been involved and stuff. I just feel like him getting a title match after like quote unquote he screwed over their team just didn't make much sense. But yeah, Survivor Series or bragging rights really doesn't matter anyway. So who cares, dude? We got a ten woman tag team match on this show that was more meaningful than the one at Survivor Series that people were doing the wave during. <laughs> I know. Just ridiculous. Let's get into Dynamite from Wednesday here. A lot of uh, a lot of thoughts in the show. Again, I actually like this show. There were a lot of things. There were some things I didn't like, but overall, um, I enjoyed this show. I didn't see as uh, I mean, I didn't see people praising it or shitting on it, but I didn't get the sense from other people that they enjoyed it as much as I did. But I like the show. Uh, you know, kind of a they had a lot of star power on here. A lot of people in action from Punk to Danielson to Cody to fucking Sting. Uh, setting the stage for winter is coming in two weeks, going down on December fifteenth. And we now know headlining that show is going to be Brian Danielson challenging Adam Page for the AEW World Championship, and I'm glad they're not waiting on that. Um, they're obviously, not obviously, but I think they can do a rematch of Battle of the Belts or at another point, maybe in the first episode of TBS, uh, of Dynamite on TBS. They could always wait till then. Um, but I'm glad they're doing it first that Winter is Coming, kind of following last year's title change at Winter is Coming, telling the story, oh, is it going to change hands again at the same show? Probably not. Um, but I like that they're doing that. But opening this show, we had Danielson knocking off Atlanta native Allen Five Angels in a match that was exactly what it should have been. Six minutes, mostly Danielson on offense. Fun little sprint. Allen looks good in defeat here. We get a great little back and forth with Brian and Adam Page afterward. Again, we haven't talked about Dynamite here on the show in a while because uh, just the timing hasn't worked out. But I thought, I, I, I think that Danielson's been a great foil for Paige since he became the number one contender. And we talked a few weeks ago, you mentioned how, oh, you know, Brian was a bit more heelish last night on Dynamite, and I, neither of us had watched it by that point. But he has been doing a fantastic fucking job of going out there and getting people to boo him. I mean, this guy got cheered out of the building in Chicago when he debuted, and now he's doing a great job of getting people to hate him, which I think is amazing. So I want to get your thoughts on this match um, between Danielson and Angels as well as how Danielson has played a great heel in recent weeks on Dynamite. I thought it was, like, I mean, it was six minutes. So I can't really complain about the, I mean, Alan Angel's a fucking clown. So, I mean, Brian should have realistically beat him in five seconds. But, you know, he took Kenny Omega to the limit. So we got we to gotta make it go a little bit longer. But, no, I, I think Brian has done good on his, like, this whole heel turn thing. Like, he's not really heel, but he's just kind of being, like, a dick about it. So I think it's been great. I think he's done well with it. Um and, I mean, I really want to see the match between him and Hangman, so I, I, I really don't care for him just every week beating up dork order people, but, I mean, if it's getting to the point, I mean, I, clearly I know where the roads are heading, so I don't, I'm not that against it, but just give me what I want. Yeah, we're going to get in two weeks. Uh, obviously, Paige retains on that show, right? Or how do you think they do it? Do you think he beats him clean or there's a fuck finish, or what do you think they do? I think if if, if Hangman wins, it's got to be kind of some fuck finish, like, I don't know, maybe, like, the dork order people come in and kind of, like, cost Brian just because he's been beating their ass. Like, I don't know. I, I don't think I don't think Hangman's going to lose it that quick. Like, it would be kind of dumb. And I don't think Brian should be losing clean either. So, I think there should be some kind of screwy finish. And then you just set up a, a, a rematch somewhere down the line. 
Yeah, that's what I would do, especially with Battle of the Belts coming up in early January. I would, uh, you know, people were saying a time limit draw, and I like that idea, but the problem is that no. we, we just saw that with Danielson and Omega and Dynamite two, three months ago. Like, we, we the last time he faced the champion, Danielson did, it also ended in the time limit draw, so I feel like that wouldn't be creative. I'm against that, totally. I'm I'm usually for that, but in this case, with the people involved, I'm against it. Like, it depends who it is, but we just saw that like a month or two ago, so I wouldn't go back to that well already. Um, so you mentioned the Danielson-Angels thing, how he should have beat him in five seconds, but Angels took Omega to the limit, so whatever. I, I get that. My I didn't mind Danielson and Angels having a six-minute match. The Punk and Moriarty match, I like the match a lot. I think Moriarty is very talented. I think he's a great get for the company. He dominated the entire match. Punk won with a GTS out of nowhere. A lot of Punk's matches lately up to this point have been the same thing. They did it with Hobbs. I got it. I liked that they did it with him. It was great. They did it with QT Marshall last week, dude. He had an 11-minute match with fucking QT Marshall last week on the show. He should not be struggling. I know Punk has been, you know, I, I know Punk by this point has been struggling to beat people. But it's just ridiculous how they've gone about this, and I don't know, man. I just I, I like this match. I like the match, and Moriarty got the shine. But I feel like it came at the expense of punt uh, at the expense of Punk. Because how can I buy into the idea of Punk beating MJF when he's struggling to beat a guy that just arrived on the roster and then hasn't had a meaningful win yet? No, I completely agree. I mean, I'm not the biggest Punk guy, but I feel like every match he has had since he came into the company literally has been like an absolute dogfight, like. He hasn't won one match based, I don't know if, like, yeah, he really hasn't beat anyone, like, that he should be beating in, in, in seconds. I mean, I think Lee Moriarty's good, but the fact it's going through a commercial break, and like you said, he was basically getting his ass kicked the entire match and just pulled a GTS out of nowhere and beat him. So why would I think he has any chance to beat MJF? Just, I don't know, man. I just, with this, it's weird because I'm glad that Moriarty got the shine, but it's just one of those things where, like, he probably, can't we just have a punk match where he just beat, like, the Danielson match where he's on offense for most of it and got, he he's seven levels above Moriarty as far as where they are in the pecking order right now. I feel like AEW does, like to do, likes to do this thing where they have the jobber shine and defeat a lot, and that doesn't really mean anything when we get to see it so often. It, it well, it just makes... When they go 15 minutes with a job guy, so why should we care when they go 20 minutes with another? Like, it's mm-hmm. one of those things, I feel like they think that you need to have long matches to, like, I don't even know if they put them over, but, like, they, every match has to be 20 minutes. Every match has to be, like, the main event of Starrcade 87. I'm like, just just have a match, and, like, someone can win it. It's like, I feel like it's they're kind of, like, placating the crowd that wants every match to be, like, a five-star classic. Like, they can't just have someone go over and win and, like, Punk should be beating him, and, and like you said, even if you go five minutes, he should be winning majority of it, and then beats him. Like, he literally was getting his ass kicked the entire f- match, and then just pulled it out of his ass that he won. Like, yeah. now they're like, oh, now he's going to face MJF. Like, why should I have any care? That, like, I shouldn't even, like, just besides, like, the verbal battle, like, in an ethical or just, like, logical way, MJF would kick his ass. He can't beat fucking Lee Moriarty in ten minutes, and why should I think he's going to be MJF? Yeah, it's something they got to work on. They tend to do that a lot. And um, if you do it once in a while, it's fine. But I don't know. I feel like it was the same thing with, um, what's his name? Darby Allen and Billy Gunn. They had like a 10-minute competitive match. Why was it competitive between Billy Gunn at 57 years old or whatever he is and Darby Allen? It should have been two minutes, you know? 
Yeah, I think it's just one of those things. Like you said, I think they think every match has to be 20 minutes and has to get like all the ratings. And it just, you can have good matches without them being 20 minutes or just being like back and forth. Like a guy can basically be a squash and win and still be good. I just feel like it's downgrading Punk a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it's, it sounds, you know, I don't want to make it sound like they always do this because they had a Wardlow squash later on. They've, I've, you know, I've seen them do Darby Allen and beating him and having him beat uh, Nick Camarado in a matter of a minute or two a few months ago. So it's not like they never do it, but with Punk specifically, they haven't had him have like a straightforward squash yet where he beats someone in like five minutes. He beat Lee Moriarty here in like five or six minutes, but Moriarty dominated almost the entire thing. So, and it makes Moriarty look good, but he can't make, like, the QT Marshall one, it's just, that one, there was no excuse. That was ridiculous. I'm like, why is this 11 minutes? Marshall shouldn't even be on TV. And I like the guy, but it's stupid. Anyway, uh, we move on. Oh, actually, what was your take on the post-match verbal battle between Punk and MJF? I mean, I thought it was good, obviously, paled in comparison to last week, but I thought it was fine, though. It was watered down from last week, and it kind of made Punk look dickless. I don't need to hear him say needle dick every week. It's like a Chris Jericho line. Like, Punk, can you kind of, like, phase that out? Yep. Saying it once, it's kind of funny. When you say it every week, it's like when Jericho was calling Dan Lambert, like, dipshit fuckface or whatever the hell he was calling. Yeah, call him fat or whatever, it, yeah. Yeah, it, it screams Jericho line. So, less is better with that stuff. Um, I, like I said, I thought it was good, just a lot more watered down than, from, than last week. What, you're telling me you didn't laugh at Jericho uh, calling one of the 2.0 guys a square head? No, I just, I don't know. That was I, stupid, I thought. The whole, P, him calling him PG Punk, too, I just, for MJF, I just, it just feels very lame, too. Yeah, it's, that, that's kind of a lame insult. I'm not, a, I wasn't a big fan of that. I mean, again, I wouldn't harp on that as far as, like, I wouldn't do that every week with the needle dick and PG Punk. That, like I said, similar to the, the needle dick line, like, it's funny the first week, oh, you're PG Punk? Okay, it's funny. When you say it every week, it just loses its, like, I it agree. just seems... It seems like you have no material, so you're going back to it. Yeah, exactly. That was my fear with that initial verbal segment a week ago, was that they gave away their best stuff in that segment. So I hope that's not the case, and they can drag this out for a while. My guess would be that they do Punk and Warlow, Winter is Coming. Yeah, I'm down for that. I mean, I mean, Warlow should beat him in two minutes, but we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll see what happens. <laughs> if Punk struggles to beat Lee Moriarty, honestly, he probably should lose from a realistic standpoint to Warlow. But, I mean, I would have Punk win, obviously, but... I would just, you know, this is the problem that you run into. If he's struggling to beat QT Marshall, then he really, if he's struggling to beat him, he should have a 30-minute battle with Wardlow where Wardlow is killing him that entire time and Punk barely wins on a banana peel finish. Exactly, but who knows? You can't do that. I mean, it's just, just, this is the consistency issues they kind of run into more often than not. The next segment I was not a fan of. Again, I like the show overall, but Adam Cole coming out, and doing his whole entrance, and I love Adam Cole, and he's obviously very over. He was going to do commentary for a match that we never found out what the match would be. So that alone was goofy. But who comes out? I mean, Punk does this sometimes, where he'll come out and do a whole entrance before he goes on commentary. But Cole literally went to the ring and everything. It wasn't like he came out on the stage and sell it. Like, he went out to the fucking ring, and then he walked over to the desk, and then Cassidy comes out, not in the match, confronting Cole. The Bucks come out, do the stupid kick thing. I just, I mean, I guess this is supposed to establish a, a, a super click best friends for you to keep Cole and the Bucks busy, I guess. But the execution of the segment sucked. I thought it went on way too long. It, it did what it needed to do. I can't say I'm thrilled about a super click best friends for you, though. I thought Cole and Fish beating best friends would be it, but it clearly is not over yet. Dude, 
so I'm like watching the show last night. I, I, I'm, I watched it after the show, so I'm watching it. Like, thought the like you said the punk, the both the matches were fine, but I'm like, oh, like they were fine for what they were. Like, I'm like not great matches, but they were fine. They had two stars in with Danielson and and uh, Punk, and so I'm like, oh, like you know, they're starting off hot, like two big stars. Oh, Adam Cole's coming out. I'm like, geez, like they're really pulling out the big guns in the first hour. I'm like, this is great. Goes down the ring, so I'm like, oh, I must be doing a promo. Then he starts walking the desk. I'm like, well, kind of weird, but whatever. You know, it's Adam Cole, whatever. Then Pockets comes out, and I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? I'm like, well, there goes all the star power. You're going to bring this guy out. And then they do, like, he's not coming out for a match, clearly, because that's not what was happening. But then they do the little fucking stupid shin kick thingy, and then the Bucks come behind him with the with the, doing the shush and, like, sneaky, like, any, even if you weren't paying attention to them, you have peripheral vision. You would see them coming out. Mm-hmm. They weren't coming out from the other side. It makes pockets like a bigger dumbass than he already is. And then they do the stupid play kicks, and then they just kick him in the fucking head. And I don't care. And then they're going to do the stupid knee lift thing, and then fucking Chuck Taylor and Wheeler Uter come out, and yay, now we're going to get a super click best friend feud. Like, I could give two shits less. They started off so hot with three of their top stars, and then they just pissed on down Adam Cole's <laughs> fucking throat with fucking pockets and the other two goofs. I just, I was fucking, I was hot after this. I just, I didn't like this at all. Um, so I think part of this, honestly, I don't know if this was intentional or not. I feel like they had Cole make his whole entrance because why else would why else would he do that? Why would he go through the ring and do the whole Bay Bay thing and whatever, unless it was to make the point? And I don't know if you saw this or not, where a couple of days ago, I think it was on Monday, people were talking about Cole and how he's watered down from WWE and all this other stuff, which again, people are, are entitled to their opinion. And I mean, I, I, I we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. It's not exactly about that. My issue is I don't think Cole took the step down and going to AEW. I don't. I think he is still really over it. My problem with that whole thing was that like Tony Khan had to insert his two cents. Like his response to it was something that like, I would, uh, not, not even me, I don't know. But, like, did you see his response to what I'm talking about where he was like, oh, Cole's over as fuck. Like, why are people complaining about the booking? Would Vince McMahon go on Twitter to defend Roman Reigns' booking? I thought that was really just weird. I'm not even saying I disagree with him, but I thought the fact that he had to insert himself in the conversation in a, in a tweet that he wasn't tagged in for the owner of a company, the guy who books these people, is really fucking bizarre to me. I didn't see it, but, I mean, it, when you just mention it, it, it screams Tony, so... I mean, oh, why would people criticize Cole's booking? Now, listen, I'm not criticizing his booking, but I don't know why you would have to go on Twitter and defend it. Like, that's just so juvenile to me. Like, you you booked this. Don't you run the company? Like, Triple H ain't going on NXT. And he's not. And Triple H wasn't coming on, on Twitter to talk about how fucking Cole was, was booked well as NXT champion. I just don't understand that. I just don't think it's necessary. I don't know. I feel like he does kind of the same thing with his other sporting teams. Does he? Like, I don't know. When his other sport teams lose and they get shit on, he kind of jumps on Twitter to try to defend them. I, I mean, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, wins and losses count. I mean, especially in real sports. So if your team sucks, they suck. I mean, you can't really, <laughs> you yeah. can't really defend them if they're not good. So I mm-hmm. mean, I, I, I think Cole's been good. I mean, I think being aligned with the Bucks and kind of doing a lot more haha than he was doing before. I mean, I can see why people are saying he's more watered down because he's doing more goofy shit than. He ever did in NXT, so yeah, it is what it is. But I mean, going on, just Tony, get off Twitter. It's like Ric Flair, just get off Twitter, buddy. Yeah, just get off of Twitter. Like him going on the ratings, and like, oh, our ratings are good. Like, why are people complaining? Like, 
even if you feel that way, I'm not even saying he's wrong, but like to even go on Twitter and even address it, I think is just stupid. If he wants to go on in there and address certain things like that people have legitimate questions about, then I understand. But inserting yourself in an argument between two people on a fucking like that you would see on a on a, on a uh, you know figure four wrestling on a Dave Meltzer like message board or something, I think is really. I mean, honestly, that's where he's that's where he started though was on the message board. So I guess I really shouldn't be surprised. But I this that's part of the problem when you have like a legit fan running a company. I think he does a lot of great things, but that one thing that he does, I think, is just bizarre to me personally. Yeah, like I said, get off Twitter, Tony. <laughs> um, we got the Wardlow squash. I mentioned that. Um, Allen and Sting beating Gun Club. The match was exactly what it needed to be. Sting got the shine in Atlanta. That's what the whole point of this was. Um, this was a complete placeholder feud. I mean, I really don't give two fucks with the Gun Club. The match was fine, and I thought they did decent, but I don't need the Gun Club on my TV. They're just, they're just, there's so many other people you could be featuring that are not named the Gun Club. Undefeated, come on! They're undefeated, GSM. <laughs> yeah, I know. I saw that. Like it even mattered at all. Like, oh my god, they kept shoving that one down our throats. <laughs> oh my god, big undefeated matchup between fucking Gun Club and Darby and Sting. It's like who cares? Who gives I like a shit? Sting. I like Darby. I mean, I'm not the biggest Sting mark, but I like Darby and I'm like whatever. But the Gun Club, I mean, come on, who gives a shit? And like, where's this leading to? Like, what's like? What are they like? I feel like Darby's been spinning his fucking wheels. I mean, the MJF stuff was great, but. I mean, since losing the TNT title, he's been fucking Team Taz and just random-ass views that just, I feel like there's no, like, actual, like, future booking with this guy. Yeah, I was going to say, so what do you think is next for Darby? I mean, do you think they have a bigger plan in place as far as his next feud? I mean, is it Malachi Black? Is it Cole? Andrade? I don't know. I feel like he needs to win whatever match he has next on pay-per-view for starters, and I don't think he should be beating any of the people I just mentioned, so I don't know what you do with him. I don't know. Mi- I mean, Miro, Miro. Hey, when in case, break glass and call Miro, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Whenever you need a baby face to fight someone, I mean, pull Miro out of this That's point. what they've done anytime. Like, hey, we need someone to stand to champion, call Miro. Nita Moxley's gone for right now. We need someone to fill his place, call Miro. Like, I feel like that's what they do. Yeah, I mean, he was he had a vignette last night, too. So like, I saw that, yeah. Keep him like somewhat in the people's mind. So yeah. I don't know. Like I don't think. <laughs> I mean, I like Malachi Black. I feel like he's kind of just. I don't. I don't, was he even on the show last night? I don't think so. I mean, Andrade. Like I feel like he's just kind of been meh to me. I feel like he just kind of seems just there. The whole. I mean, I thought the main event was fine for what it was. I just feel like I don't know. I just. I don't, know, I don't get the same connection that I used to with him. I don't, I don't know. I just maybe doesn't he just doesn't fit in with the with the company itself. I don't know. I just don't like his stupid stooge as well. I don't know. I feel like I, I'd rather see Darby. Like I wouldn't ha- hate it if Darby went over him. I just I don't know. I guess doesn't really click for me yet. Just yet. Yeah, Andrade's one of those guys that when I, if you ask me like, okay, who do you see as being the next five AEW champions? And they don't have short reigns. So we're talking like the next couple of years here. He is not on that list. I mean, maybe the TNT champion, but I don't know. For a guy that I thought could have been doing more in WWE as like a world champion. I mean, obviously he doesn't have the speaking skills for that. Um, he needs a mouthpiece. He need or subtitles or something. And I know he's been improving and he has gotten better, but it's just not befitting of someone that could be in a top spot, which is why I thought Chava was great. But then I guess he had to go off and film a movie. But even if he comes back or film, I think Young Rock or something, season two. But even if he comes back, he Andrade attacked him. So why would he link back up with him? And he had Vicky for a while, which was just stupid. So let's talk about this main event. Listen, I like the main event overall. It was a brawl. They, they made the most of the stipulation. 
but for a feud that has literally lasted 30 fucking days. I don't even have a problem with it being a street fight. But the golden shovel shit and the sledgehammer, he gets too cute for his own good, as many other people have said, and I completely agree. I was talking about this at Double or Nothing 2019, and people were like, oh, it's funny. Destroy the throne. I mean, I know you are in the same camp as me, but it's like, bro, it's been two and a half years. He's not at war with Triple H anymore. Oh, I'm not going to hit the pedigree. Why, Why does it matter if he even does the pedigree or not? Why is that even in the thought in people's minds? Like, he's not, like, because he's being... Because he's being positioned as the Triple H of AEW. I mean, the guy hasn't held the world title once. That doesn't even make any sense. And then he beats him with a flaming table, which visually looked cool. But the problem was that one, Cody went through the table. He was still on fire when he pinned Andrade. And there was just no need for it. It was just a stupid spot that you would see in GCW or some dumb shit. So I know you feel the same way as me. But I like the main event. But there's just certain elements of it I would not have done. <laughs> where, just, do, where do we start with this? I just, I honestly haven't liked anything Cody's done in so long yep. that it's one of those things, like, as a street fight, like, yeah, it was fine, but then, like you said, they pull out the golden shovel, and they pull out the fucking flaming tables, and we gotta get Brandy on the show, and Arn's falling on the entrance, and the stupid stooge is helping him out, instead of beating his ass like he's supposed to be doing. It just, I like Andrade going into AEW, like I said, I think he's been a I don't know if it's him or the crowd realized it connected to him or whatever. I just feel like he's been a definitely a afterthought. I feel like he's just kind of there at this point. And Cody's just, I don't know what he's doing. And he's not going to turn. And he's not he's, he's not going to do Bormo tropes. And, but then he just goes back to the Triple H stuff. And just, I just don't, I just, I don't get it. I mean... I understand why people don't like him, too, because he's, like, literally the antithesis of, like, WWE. So, like, it is what it is, but, like, I just... He hasn't had anything. Basically, since the pandemic started, he hasn't had anything I enjoyed. The fucking QT Marshall stuff was terrible. Him and fucking the Shaq stuff. Like, what was that? Like, that was, like, (laughs) two seconds of blinking, you miss it. Like, if you, like, were in the hospital for two weeks, you would have missed the Shaq and Cody thing. Not like you missed much, but, like... That was over in two seconds, and he, him match and Andrade, wasn't good and then they do him in black randomly, and then they have like 17 matches with the bells and whistles and the fucking dusty finishes and fucking more fucking smoke and mirrors. It's just the same. You've seen one Cody Rhodes match, you've seen them all, I feel like. They're all the same. <laughs> there's so much interference. There's so much fucking... It's... Yeah, I don't know. I, he says he's not like, like you said, the boring old tropes, but he just screams like 1980s wrestling and... He just, I just don't care about him at this point, and he's still, and I'm still not over the fact he beat up Gogo. I still don't, never understood that, and then he put QT over just to do a stupid feud with him. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I Cody, and then he leaves to go film a fucking reality show, and then he comes back, and then he's there for two seconds, and he films a game show, and he teases retirement too. Teases retirement, and then he's on a TV show just exposing the business. He says, but, he, he, hey, he said he will not turn, and then he brought back Brandy Rhodes too. I just, I don't know. And the finish was dumb. The flaming table's ridiculous. It's, that belongs, like you said, go back to ECW or some outlaw mud show show. Like, this on TNT fucking cable, and you're having flaming tables and thumbtacks. It's just ridiculous. And then it would have been fine, but, like, he he was the one on fire. He landed on the table, and he just rolled right over, pinned him. It was so dumb. It just, 
He did it to get cheered. Just turn heel, buddy. I I just don't understand it. I get it. You want to be in politics after you're done wrestling. I get it. (laughs) I know. It's so obvious that's where he's going. It just, just turn heel. It's just ridiculous. And the fact that Tony Khan doesn't just make him turn heel. It's like, no one wants, like, you are literally the antithesis of what these people fucking hate. So just turn heel. Oh, my God. You have, like, your wife is a fucking heat magnet. Just turn heel. Why did she? People why was she wearing a hood on her head? People jump the rail and try to stab him. People don't like him that much. Just fucking yeah. turn him heel. Why was she dressed up in disguise when she came out? Was there any reason for that? <laughs> Not really, because <laughs> it wasn't like she like fucked Andrade. She just slid in the ring. They were already on the top turnbuckle. She just flips the hood off in the mask. Ooh, it's Brandy. She lights the table on fire. It's not like she interfered or anything. Big pop. Just... <laughs> it really didn't make any sense. No. But maybe because maybe, like I said, maybe if someone knew it was her, they'd probably fucking attack her. <laughs> Honestly, maybe, and I don't advocate for that at all. But... No, I don't advocate it either. But yeah, like, no, geez, but because realistically, besides that, it's not like she like attacked Andrade. Like, oh, who is it? It's Brandy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Leaving the ring and set the uh, the table on fire. You, you, obviously, it could not be clear that he did this to get himself cheered. Like, oh, like he'll sacrifice himself for the business. Like, I actually like him, and they're in his hometown. He still got heavily booed. I mean, it was a 50-50 reaction, I would say. But, bro, like, he, he's going to great lengths for something that could be easily solved with a single turn. Like, this is... Even John Cena wasn't putting himself through flaming tables. I mean, the guy was doing... I mean, he... He did some stuff, but it wasn't his call. Like, that was WWE putting him through some serious shit um, during his prime booking years in the mid-2000s. But even Cena wasn't doing some of the stuff that Rollins or that uh, that Rhodes is, that Cody is, to get cheered by these people. Yeah, I mean, but same Cena's, thing with Roman. Cena's a, Cena was actually, was actually a superstar. I mean, Cody Rhodes is Cody Rhodes. I mean, I think Cody Rhodes a is star. a big star, but I don't know. I just... Yeah, yeah. I think he could if, be world champion. Point, I think I at think at this point, if he leaves that company, it would not affect it at all. No, it wouldn't like affect it that much. Don't care about him. I think he is a big star. I don't think he's okay. Maybe not a huge star. He's not on the level of a Danielson or a Punk. I will he's say a, that he's not a John Cena. No, he's not a John Cena either. But I'm terms. I'm talking about in terms of the booking and whatever. And I think I think Cody's biggest problem is not the fact that he's not a star or whatever. I think the biggest problem with him is that because he's an EVP, I don't think if he was an EVP, he would be getting away with 75% of the shit we've seen on TV as far as his booking and whatever. Do you think we would have seen a Cody QT feud on TV if he was an EVP? I don't think so. I don't think we would have seen a a fucking flaming table. I mean, did we not have in the Jericho gauge match forks and shit and then... Khan had to come out and say the next day, we'll never do that again because their sponsors didn't like that, but they like a flaming table. I mean, does that not make sense? I mean, that was just like two or three months ago. And I thought that was stupid. I thought this was stupid. Again, it looked cool, but you can't always do what just looks cool for a... For a that, that dude is the definition of a cheap pop because it's not even like there was a reason for it. And if you do a flaming table, like, I'm not against doing it, but it has to make sense. Like, dude, these guys have been feuding for a fucking month. For a yeah, month! And attack Brandy and like beat the shit out of him and fucking choked Farrah out. I exactly, mean, dude. Andrade already lost the pack a month ago. He lost to Cody in the tag team match at full gear when it mattered most. Oh, because Andrade won the eight man tag team match last week. It, it, it justified them doing a flaming table. Come on. What is this? Andrade feels lost. Cody, where do you even go with him from here? Just honestly, like, they have such a roster at this point. I know they're not doing anything where they need to be off TV, but just take Jericho off the show and take Cody off the show. I mean, literally, they need a break. And none of this, like, oh, gone for a month, back the next. 
gone for like a good three months, I think. I think I think some time off would do a world of good for both guys. Jericho feuding with 2.0 and dragging Eddie Kingston down with him, and then Cody beating people that he probably shouldn't be beating, to me, is just downright stupid. So, I agree with Jericho. Cody doesn't have to go off TV, he just needs to turn heel. I if he's not going to turn like heel, though, I think he should leave. Off TV oh, if he's not turning heel, fucking go on a go on a hood for a year or something. I don't know. <laughs> I just Jericho really needs to go away. I mean, he just is like, why? Like, why is he involved in this Eddie Kingston feud? Why? Well, because Eddie Kingston's hot right now, so Jericho's got to fucking hop onto that like he did with Pockets. I mean, I feel like everything Jericho's done late since he's lost the belt is literally what he thinks is like the most over thing. He fucking feud with Pockets. Then they did the fucking blood and guts thing, and the stadium stampede again, and then he brought MJF down for a year. Like, Jesus Christ! Like, buddy, everything you touch little turns to shit. We haven't <laughs> even seen since they won that stupid Minneapolis street fight. I haven't even seen Men of the Year on the show. They, they said the feud wasn't over. They said their bad blood with him wasn't over, and I'm like, is it though? Because we haven't had any mention of that since then. Oh my God! It's just Jericho's. I think Jericho's been worse. Like, yeah, Cody needs to turn, but at least there's something there. Jericho at this point... Well, at least Cody's been having quality matches for the most part. I mean, Jericho... Jericho I mean, Fozzie just needs to make it big and Jericho just needs to go away for a while. I just... Jericho uh, definitely feels more out of place in this company than Cody does. Jericho, just there's not like, oh, if you told me like, oh, I want to see this feud with him right now, I really don't. I'm not even saying he, he can't contribute in any way. I think he can. It's just that what they have him doing or what he wants to be doing... Why is he working with 2.0 and Daniel Garcia? I mean, come on. If, unless they're going to beat him, which they're not, then what's the point? Why is he going after Eddie Kingston? Eddie Eddie needs to be doing his own thing. Eddie, come on, man. Why, what does Eddie Kingston gain from feuding with Chris Jericho? If he, beats, if he beats Jericho and then we move on from there, then great. But if not, then what are we even doing here? For a Maybe cheap- he's a surrogate fucking subbing for Moxley. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. But like for what? Remember when Jericho beat MJF? Exactly. And he's done nothing (laughs) since then. Exactly. Exactly. They should have had MJF beat him and then just move on from there. Not even have Jericho retire, which, I mean, I wouldn't complain about at this point, but I mean, No, because then he would have to go on commentary. I mean, he's still on commentary, so what would have changed? I don't know. I just, I, the less Jericho, honestly, like I said, Cody, I'm just not interested. I don't want to see him leave because that's all he does is come back and leave and yep. changes his hair color and, like, wins this fucking random match or wins the title. So, don't want him to leave, but, like, Jericho needs to go. Yeah, Jericho needs to go. I don't want to see him back on the title picture. I think a one-off with Paige on TV would be fine for Paige to get his win back from a few years ago. But beyond that, I can't think of one interesting thing that Jericho could be doing right now. At least right now. Maybe may, Ask me again in a couple months, but right now... The Kingston thing is random. 2.0 and Garcia are just not... It's just not a good fit. The square head shit is stupid. The comedy sucks. I just... I feel like he's... It's just, I don't know. Who, who is laughing at this stuff? And this is honestly... I mean, this is the... I feel like you need a healthy balance. Some of these people should probably be scripted. And Jericho, to a certain extent, maybe should be one of them. That felt like a line that you would hear on WWE. And people would call that stupid. So what's the difference here? That you know what that square headline reminded me of the what was it? Uh, booty, 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 or whatever he said about the new day a couple of years ago. Something really dumb. It was before he turned heel when he first came back in like 2016. He's like, oh, they're, they're your booty, you're all booty. He was like, dude, what are you doing? And he admitted later, he's like, oh yeah, that didn't work. You fucking think you said it seven times and people weren't reacting the first time. Why would you keep doing it? 
Like I said, just like your stupid line with with uh, Dan Lambert coming like a fat-faced dipshit. Like, oh, but they said it every week. It's not funny at that point. Hey, but hey, they sing to his theme song, so it's okay. Oh, I mean... And listen, I'm all for singing Judas. I think it's an awesome song. But when you do it to the pure point of overkill, dude, they did it three times when we were in Boston. I'm like, dude, go away, you fucking attention hog. Stop. Dude, it's funny. It wasted 10 minutes of my life that I will not get back. Well, yeah, I mean, it made us stay at the show longer. And hey, the marks were singing along with it, so whatever. Ugh, yeah, but basically the synopsis, Jericho needs to leave and Cody needs to go heal. <laughs> and that's the bottom line, because Mr. Marceau said so. I completely agree. Uh, we'll wind down here real quickly with War Games predictions. We forgot there's a show coming up on Sunday from the former Black and Gold brand. We'll go through the predictions real quickly. Cameron Grimes versus Duke Hudson in a hair versus hair match. I've actually liked this feud, to be honest with you. I liked the verbal exchange last week. I've always liked Hudson, but I think you know, the poker shit is stupid. They got to move away from that. But Grimes looks great with his new look, I think. And uh, I wouldn't have him lose, though. I think I can't imagine Hudson going bald. But of the two, I think Grimes should win here. And I think he will win. Oh yeah, Graham should win here. I mean, I don't. I mean, the, the poker stuff's pretty stupid, but I mean, I'm not the biggest Duke guy anyway, so it is what it is. But I mean, hair versus hair, normally the babyface wins, so I'm going with Cameron Grimes. Cameron Grimes all the way to the moon. Uh, Roderick Strong versus Joe Gacy for the NXT Cruiserweight title. I've, I've mentioned before I'm not a Gacy fan, but the guy can go in the ring. I think him and Strong are going to have a good match. The idea of him winning it and talking about, oh, I'll defend it against people of all sizes and genders is honestly intriguing. I think that's clever. I will give them that. Um, the belt means nothing because there is no cruiserweight division. So, it does, I mean, Strong's had one defense, I think, in the last three months. So, the thing's just a prop at this point. I would just give it to Gacy and then maybe he can rebrand it or something. So, I think Gacy wins here. No, I think I, I like Gacy. I don't love his character, but I think he's good enough in a ring that I can look past the character i think his in-ring skills are good i mean i think like you said he's saying he's gonna face huge face anyone any size i think it's perfect to him win it and then you just rebrand as like an open weight championship and yep. face anyone so i mean i i like gacy i like so this character just it's kind of growing on me i mean it's not the greatest but like i think he's good enough in the ring that he can get away with it and i like roddy but I feel like they're all just pointing toward the new guy, so I feel like he's starting to get, he'll probably start getting phased out a little bit, so I, I would give it to Casey here. Yeah, I think Diamond Mine is just a vehicle to get the Creed brothers over and uh, Ivy Nile as well. And I love Roderick Strong, but I don't think they have any high hopes for him on the show. I think he was always... Uh, what you say? Is the, does the Asian guy not wrestle? Like, I don't no, get it. He, hasn't, he hasn't said a single word or wrestled at all since he came in. I think he's supposed to be just... When I spoke to Roddy, he made it sound like in storyline he's a coach, but we haven't seen him do shit, so he's just he's just the guy that stands there. That's that's all he's done so far. He's pretty good at standing. <laughs> he adds a presence to the group, I guess, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I just just I don't they haven't explained it. I don't even mind that explanation, but he told me that in an interview. He never talked with that on the show itself, so that's not his fault. Yeah, but it's not like they show like video packages of him like coach wrestling with other guys like coaching them like yeah you never you just see him standing there he's just always standing there he's a good stander so i will give him that imperium uh phoebe eichner and marcel bartell taking on kyle o'reilly and our favorite von wagner for the nxt tag team titles o'reilly reportedly is not resigned yet they are trying hard to resign him and um gargano same thing which we'll get to in a moment 
I, I guess they could put the belts on O'Reilly and Wagner. I honestly get the feeling they will. But then if O'Reilly doesn't sign, they'll take the belts right back off of them. I'm going to say... You know what? Fuck it. I'm going to I'm gonna say they put the belts on O'Reilly and Wagner. I, I never really thought they were going to give a long reign to Imperium. They were just a weird choice to win the belts anyway. But they feel like placeholder champions until someone else beats them. And I think they're going to put it on O'Reilly and Wagner to convince O'Reilly to stay. And hopefully he doesn't. But I think this is... Uh, they're going to try. So I, I think they're going to give the belts to O'Reilly and Wagner even if their reign is brief. Nah. Got to go with Imperium here. Unless... Unless. Kyle O'Reilly resigns. If they can get him to resign, then fine, put the belts on him. If they're not, it would be dumb to take the belts off Imperium just what to if, put them back on him. What if he doesn't resign until later this month, though? So what are you going to have them have the belts for a month? I mean, no, not I even. Mean, yeah, honestly, I think they will. I mean, the NXT 2.0, no. anything can happen. Eh, I'm not saying I it's a good you. idea. I'm just saying it's it's probably they could. I, I could see them doing that. Honestly, I see them losing. I could see them losing here. Them doing like a quick feud with Wagner and, and O'Reilly and O'Reilly leaves. All right, all right, okay. I could I could see that. Maybe Von Wagner goes heel. <laughs> I can't wait. Can't wait. Uh, let's start with a women's war games match here. Raquel <laughs> Gonzalez, Io Shirai, Cora Jade, and Kaylee Ray taking on Dakota Kai and all of Toxic Attraction. I mean, the war game stuff feels forced this year. It's just not the same. But at least the the two war games matches has some of a story to them, and there are some intertwining feuds here. So I do like that. I don't know who wins in each match, though. Um, with this one, I feel like the baby faces are going to win. I don't know if you put the heels over in both matches. They didn't last year, and I don't think they will here either. I just get the sense that, I don't know. I know Toxic Attraction is who they're pushing right now, but it's not like they have this cohesive unit with Dakota Kai. They kind of tease tension after Dakota lost on Tuesday. So I, I think Raquel's team is going to win here. To give them more momentum, I, that's who I'm going to go with. Toxic Attraction, yeah, they're being pushed, but they've also won a ton. Dakota's kind of the wild card. Um, they, I mean, they don't, they don't really have any allegiance with her besides that she's on their team. Um, I will say we didn't really touch upon it. I thought Kai versus Kaylee Ray was like the best match of the week. I thought it was it amazing. Very good match, match yeah. I liked Gargano uh, and Breaker, too, personally. Yeah, I thought they are both good matches, but I thought Kai and, and Kaylee Ray just ripped the house down. I love Kaylee Ray, so... Oh, great match. But uh, <laughs> I think the women, I think you can have Kay, the, the babyface team win here, get them some momentum, and then heading into the new year, you have some matches set up for, for them. I mean, I feel like you can do Kai and, and Gazelles again, um, EO and what's-her-face. You can do EO and, and Mandy, and then maybe you can do even even like maybe a little makeshift Kaylee Ray and Cora Jade versus JC uh, Dolan and Jane and uh-huh. maybe I don't know I, I, I like I like Kaylee Ray as a face but I just feel like she's just so much better as a heel so maybe you can honestly have her turns in the near future just because I feel like she's so much better as a heel we never got Raquel and Kaylee Ray so maybe she screws over Raquel's team and Raquel takes exception to that and they feud from there yeah but when you I think they're still do you think they're gonna do Kai and Gonzalez again or Maybe. I, I know they did the match on TV. I don't know if they'll continue it as a, as a program, though. I feel like we... I mean, I, I wouldn't mind if they did. Um, and at least maybe one more match. But I, I could see that. I could also see them just pivoting to something new because we've already seen Kai and Raquel, Raquel twice now. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I feel like this. I feel like the women, especially, I feel like the women sh- um, in divisions and all shows, like they have like a lot of talent that they can pretty much do anything that I wouldn't really care about. So that like, there's like they put someone in there, I'd be fine with it. So I, I mean, I think they have plenty of possibilities here. I think Talk Extraction's great. I think the babyface team has has some old faces, some new faces. So I think I think it'll be good. I agree. I'm looking forward to this one. As well as the main event, the men's war games match. Team Black and Gold is what they're going with. Tommaso Ciampa, Johnny Gargano, DIY reuniting for this one. Uh, Pete Dunne and L.A. Knight taken on Team 2.0. Braun Breaker, Carmelo Hayes, Grayson Waller, and Tony D'Angelo. Mere months into his NXT run already in a fucking war games match is, is Tony D'Angelo and Grayson Waller too, I guess. Braun Breaker, but I mean, that one makes sense. Uh, this is another one. I'm going to go Team 2.0. I think they're obviously really going to push the new guys. Uh, the women's match is an old versus new. That's just an, a mix of faces and heels, like faces team versus a heels team. This is like heels and faces working with each other. I mean, I guess all of 2.0 are largely heels now. Um, team Black and Gold is two heels and two baby faces. The last time I checked. Gargano was another one where he, his contract was supposed to be up on Saturday or tomorrow, I think, and he resigned for a week. Um, I, if he hasn't resigned between now and Sunday, I don't know if they would have him go over. I mean, it's not him specifically. They could have his team win. I think this screams 2.0 win here for Breaker, especially after losing a Ciampa at Halloween Havoc. Give him another shot. Carmelo's the North American champion. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I would probably, I mean, the, the, there's dissension between the faces and heels on Team Black and Gold anyway. Uh, I think it just makes all the sense in the world to have t- Team 2.0 win this one. No, I agree. I think two, Team 2.0 is going to win here. Um, it just makes sense. I think they're pushing the 2.0 guys. I mean, there's dissension between the heels and babyface on the other team. I feel like LA Knight, yeah, he's a big name. I feel like he's been a freaking loser since 2.0 started. Yeah, I feel yeah like he has been, yeah. Thing of note, so I mean, him losing here wouldn't really do much. And if Gargano is not, re- I just even if he resigns, doesn't resign, I feel like the 2.0 guys are people that clearly pushing them. I mean, just watching the show, you know, that's the direction they're going with. So, I mean, I think they need a win. Like I said, Hayes is the new North American champion. Um, you want to get Breaker another chance at at Champa, and then the other two guys, like they're just there to be there. But I mean, I, I think the other two need the win, kind of. A lot more than anyone else. Sets up Breaker and Ciampa, you think, for uh, at some point down the road a rematch for the title? Yes, sir. I think so as well. Um, so what's your last take on Gargano? Does he stay? Does he go? Do you think he ultimately resigns? Or do you think, I mean, not even just that, do you think there's an option of him letting his contract expire, see what other options are out there, which I think he would be smart to do, and then coming back to WWE and staying in NXT or whatever, especially since his wife is there for the foreseeable future. I think that's more likely. I, I, I think my guess at the end of the day is that he'll resign without even letting his contract expire. I think he's waiting in, until minutes to midnight to do it. I would prefer if he let it expire and see, you know, saw what else was out there, try to get a better deal out of the company and then come back. Um, I'm not even saying I want him at NXT. I don't know really where he fits in there because he's been here forever. I'm not even saying he would thrive in AEW. I don't really know, to be honest, but I don't know. It's an interesting situation. So what's your take on the Gargano status right now? I mean, I think he'll stay. I just feel like he's a WWE guy. I mean, I, th- I, just, I think it's just, we're getting to the point, especially with AEWs, like you just can't have, like, yep. they have so many people. And there's so many people, like, big WWE guys that they brought over that just haven't, like, 
really materialized. And I just bringing him in. I mean, they just signed Jay Lethal, and he was on the show for one week. I mean, he might have been on Dark and shit, but I haven't seen him since. Yeah, no. I feel like you can't bring in all, like, there's just not enough programming. And, I, I mean, I like Gargano, but, I mean, it's not like he's going to set the world on fire in WWE, but I just feel like people would be very disappointed if he went to, to, to AEW because I feel like he'd be on Dark every week. I just... There's not enough. There's not enough program for him, and I just don't really see a spot for him right now. I feel there's just not a lot of spots for the people they have now. And if you bring him in, just another new face. Uh, there's not really anything to do. Yeah, I don't know. I just feel like he's probably if he's not going to AEW, and I don't. I think it'd be interesting if he came in with Ciampa. I think that'd be cool. But I don't know when Ciampa would steal it up. I don't think it's up anytime soon. He's the current champion anyway. I think DIY would be awesome, but. Him on his own, I just don't see them making him a priority like the same way they did with Cole and other people. He's just not on that same level, and he doesn't have the same history like Cole does with the elite guys. I yeah, I just feel like if it came down to it, like if he's not going to AEW, like if he was on Dark, then just stay in WWE. Even if it was Impact or something, I would even just prefer him to stay in NXT. I just don't see where he fits in there either, so... I don't know if that's the main roster or NXT or whatever, or they just, I mean, obviously they need some veterans in NXT to work with the younger guys. Who that is exactly, I I guess he would be one of them. Ciampa, once he loses that belt, I feel like they would have a lot less for him to do than Gargano, so I don't know. We'll see, um, but this could be a very good match, and I'm looking forward to War Games on Sunday. So that's going to do it, Mr. Marceau, for today's episode of WrestleRant Radio, December 2nd, 2021. New episodes every single Thursday. iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Google Podcast, and Podbean. Uh, you can be sure to like the show, subscribe, share the show. New episodes every single Thursday. And uh, we'll be back next Thursday with a review of War Games, Breaking Down Raw, Dynamite, all the great stuff as we inch closer to Christmas. And I assume you will have watched Home Alone another five times by that point, Mr. Marceau. Yeah, I'm going to see if Molly wants to watch Jingle all the way tonight. So Wow, you know, branching out on Friday night. Okay, if you do, if you if you you know pop out the, the bag of popcorn or whatever and, and get a beverage or whatever, let me know if you like it. And if not, if you don't like it, that's fine. But I'm curious what your thoughts on it are after watching it. I mean, I'll let you know if I like it or don't like it. All, so. right, all right, give me your take next week here on the show. I mean, text me before then, but we'll discuss next week as well. I'll let you know before my eyes turn on tonight. <laughs> Sounds good, brother. I'll talk to you soon. All right, see you later, man.